Hello everyone. Uh, this episode I felt needed an introduction. It's kind of a rough one, not going to lie to you. It does deal with some rough events, It, but it's not, well, at least the story I'm telling you, is not one that is obsessed with the details of murder, but it involves a murder investigation, and that is what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in glorifying murder and getting into the ugly details. But how these cases are built, how they're prosecuted, I'm very interested in. And this specific case that we're going to look at today was one of the big inspirations for why I started the podcast. Because this was such an interesting story, and I wanted to share it with you. So I know this this story can be kind of off-putting and rough for some folks. I'm just saying, stick with me, and I think you'll find this is a very interesting story. So let's go. Hello, everyone. The story is... A murder in Chino Hills, California. The year is 1983. This terrible random murder of four people in their own home. The murderer is found in Santa Barbara. The Ryan family, the victims, their stolen station wagon is found with cigarette butts with the suspect's DNA. The murder murder weapon, a hatchet, is found in an abandoned house nearby the Ryan family home. There is a bloody t-shirt with the suspect's blood on it. The case is solid. The suspect, Kevin Cooper, is convicted. So now, in 2018, Cooper is on death row, awaiting execution. And his lawyer is saying, they got the wrong guy. Now you'd expect that from his lawyer. But would you expect that from five other judges? This was a setup. That's the point that many people are making, including Thomas R. Parker, a 30-year law enforcement veteran who was deputy head of the FBI's office in Los Angeles. The evidence was planted. He was framed. The cops lied on the stand. That was the big quote that grabbed my attention and was the big... um, for part of the New York Times op-ed piece that I saw that first grabbed my attention to this story. He says that the evidence was used or tampered with in order to set Kevin Cooper up as the murderer for the of this crime. And it kind of goes into different details of and goes into a little bit about uh, police officers in certain cases doing things in another case in, in Chicago, um, where, what they refer to as test-a-lying, uh, changing stories and even changing that story on the stand 
in order to convict someone they think is guilty. There was an example given of a woman in Chicago who was convicted of of um, holding arm uh, owning a gun um, that she wasn't supposed to have, and the police officer testified. But it wasn't till later that they reviewed the videotape and showed that what he said actually didn't happen. And it is those that are, um, they're using that as part of an anecdote for for Kevin Cooper's case, saying that he too is become a victim of this institution of cops being willing to not be completely honest or moving evidence in such a way that would convict people they believe to be guilty. And so that's that's one way. There is a number of uh, judges who also say that question the case against Kevin Cooper. Five different judges, uh, retired judges, have looked at the case and say that they think Kevin Cooper was set up. Um, there are a number of interesting things about this case that grabbed me and that are presented in the New York Times op-ed piece. One interesting fact is that that the police officers were presented with these bloody coveralls the same day Kevin Cooper was arraigned for the murder. This woman walks into the police department and says that her boyfriend was involved with the murder, and here are his coveralls that he brought in that night and dumped at their apartment and left. These same, these three men, three white men, were seen at a bar in bloody coveralls, um, making a commotion, they were noticeable. People saw them in or around the same time as the murders. And they were also uh, were said to have been seen driving the station wagon that was stolen from the Ryan family. Now, which is part of the case. The Let's go over the evidence that was used against Kevin Cooper. Let's start with the station wagon. Now, the station wagon was found in Long Beach, but Kevin Cooper was found in Santa Barbara. It's a little weird. Why are these... It's kind of odd that they would be found in those two different locations. The evidence that Kevin Cooper were at these different locations, or that implicate him in the murder, were found in an interesting way. In both cases, both in the car, where they found the cigarette butts, and in the abandoned house, where they found the hatchet, the police only found this evidence the second time that they went to these places. Which I find interesting. Did they search even harder the second time, like the first time through, 
they just said, uh, you know, let's take one quick look around and not really give it a hard try. But, you know, second time around, we're really going to try. Oh, you know, I didn't notice this bloody hatchet. Here it is. I do find that pretty odd. They somehow find it this time. The other thing that they, the other piece of evidence that they, that the defense points to is the blood evidence. The uh, bloody t-shirt um, that they point to that says that has Kevin Cooper's uh, blood on it is, as they've tested it, also includes other chemicals in there as well. That the defense says that shouldn't be there. So they believe that, his defense is saying, that they took Kevin Cooper's blood that they sampled and actually put it on the shirt. Now this case is strengthened as they tested the vial where his blood was sampled and stored and found not only his blood, but other material in there as well like additional blood. It would appear that they that it's possible the defense is saying that they put his blood on the shirt and on evidence to make it appear that he had been there and filled up the vial to make it as, look as if they had not done so. The other part of the case is that they say they place him at the abandoned house because there is this... Um, brown button with his blood on it and they're saying that's from his jacket the only problem is the jacket he wore was green it wasn't brown so many weird conflicting parts of the evidence that would cause someone to question this case but what if I told you the other half of the story, this case against the case against Kevin Cooper is a little weak because it, well, it involves a witch. That's right. I said witch. Now, the bloody coveralls that the defense frequently points to that were given to the police the same day Kevin Cooper was arraigned, along with a woman who says her boyfriend was involved with the murder. Now, this girlfriend was a self-professed witch who said that she had a vision that she saw her boyfriend was somehow involved with the murder. And she gave the report. This was after the news of the murder had already hit the, hit the, hit the news and it was something that people were already aware of. We also have to ask ourselves then, what was Kevin Cooper doing in that abandoned house? nearby the Ryan's house. Well, he was in there because of a paperwork snafu. He was in a California prison on burglary charges, and he was let go 
but he shouldn't have been because he was wanted in Pennsylvania for charges of rape and kidnapping. But because of the snafu of the minimal security uh, facility that he was at, he was let go. And so he's hiding out in that in that abandoned house. Now, at some point, as we continue on with the with the outline, uh, the timeline of the events, the defense says that the motive, Kevin Cooper's supposed motive for the murder was to steal the Ryan family station wagon, which is completely unnecessary because as a Kevin Cooper was perfectly capable of stealing the car and it's, and it's completely unnecessary for him to kill people in order to steal a car. And the car is found, the Ryan family's station wagon is found in Long Beach, though Kevin Cooper is found in Santa Barbara. But then I asked myself, okay, he was in Santa Barbara and he was arrested there. What was he arrested there for? Well, turns out Kevin Cooper was arrested there for another rape case. He was Kevin Cooper was working on a boat in Santa Barbara under the name of Angel Jackson. And he's working for these folks who work who were unaware of the Chino Hills murders. And he's working there on the boat. And one of the uh women who were there on that boat, well, says that he raped her. And so she and she posi- positively ID'd him. And so they arrested him for the mur- for the for the rape. So that's why he was brought in in the first place. But there still is a lot of the uh, there is still is the case for additional DNA testing, which is what this big push is about. This is why the story came out for to additionally test the bloody T-shirt that was said to have been found at the victim's house, placing Ryan there at the scene. Additional DNA testing on hairs, blonde and brown hairs that were found in the hand of one of the victims. Why, why not additional DNA testing there? And I wonder why, because they specifically point out uh, uh, Kamala Harris and Governor Jerry Brown for not allowing that. And I wondered why that too, until we understand who Kevin Cooper is. I believe the reluctance is because I think they probably get the whole story of who Kevin Cooper is. If you don't know about his criminal past, you just think you're sticking up for somebody who's on death row wrongfully. They don't want to appear to be sticking up for somebody who could be a monster in a totally different way. But before we execute somebody, we should check all the boxes. He may be a terrible guy, but let's make sure we have the right guy for this murder. Which is what the big case is and the big um, opinion piece that I read. They're saying that he was set up by the cops. And seeing it from the police's perspective, they may or may not have done this to convict someone who's done terrible things in order to 
hold him for a different hold him for these other crimes they may or may not have set him up to go down for this crime now the problem with that is that still leaves whoever actually did commit the murder free and clear so whether or not Kevin Cooper is a nice guy or not additional DNA testing should still be made to find who actually is the murderer but I don't think Kevin Cooper should be freed anytime soon. Next time, the story is the personal and professional side of mental illness. A friend of mine will give his story of how he's struggled with and addressed and found a way to help others address mental illness. That's next time.